the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Monday morning. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith along with Damian Collado. Hey, Damian. Happy Monday. Good morning. Happy Monday to you as well. November 6th. Mm. This month is already getting going. I, the end of the year will be here before you know it, don't you think? I think so, too. We're getting we're getting into the holiday season. Yeah. And it's everything inside of me not to start decorating. Well, I mean, Christmas stuff so. is already out. I that's know, what's that's crazy. What, that's, Hobby that's Lobby. That's what it is. You go to Hobby Lobby, <laughs> it's Christmas already. So uh, I know. I, I still <laughs> like Thanksgiving because there's a lot we should be thankful for no matter what exactly. we're faced with in our day-to-day lives. And we also are thankful for our saints, in particular St. Nicholas today and his companions. We're going to offer a prayer for him. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty God, you glorified St. Nicholas and his companions by their zeal in spreading the faith and their crown of martyrdom. Through their prayers and example, help us to run the way of your commandments and to receive the crown of eternal life. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We will learn more about our Saint of the Day later on in today's show, but we are starting off at 7 after with Michael O'Lind. He is the president and owner of O'Lind Group One Solutions, and he's going to be talking about Catholic Man Night, which is in T-minus two days, you guys. <laughs> I know you know that, but you know we've been planning for such a long time and looking forward to seeing all of the men who have uh, made their reservations for this wonderful night. He's also going to talk about his support for Catholic Community Media and why it's needed in today's world, so looking forward to that conversation with Michael today. In 18 minutes, Lonnie Thibodeau joins us. He is the Director of Media and Public Relations of the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau, and he'll be updating us on what's happening in the diocese for the month of November. Alan Migliorato joins us in 35 minutes. He is the co-author of Failing Forward, Leadership Lessons for Catholic Teens Today. And every Monday, he joins us to talk about raising Catholic teens in today's world. And it's always a fun conversation with Alan. We always learn something new and have some laughs along the way. So looking forward to that conversation. And in 48 minutes, Kristen Van Uden joins us. She is an author spokesperson for Sophia Institute Press. And she's talking about a book that uh, is actually quite interesting, but I've been seeing it around a lot lately. It's called When the Sickle Swings, Stories of Catholics Who Survive Communist Oppression. So it'll be a good conversation with Kristen today and learn a little bit more about this wonderful book. 
Uh, but looking forward to your weather report, Damien, because it's a little bit different this week, right? I think it's going to be a little bit warmer, maybe? A little bit warmer, yes. Uh, going to continue to be dry, though. But the weekend was a beauty, to say the least. And today we're going to have some clouds mixed with sunshine. And that will continue to be our conditions, not only today, but for pretty much the rest of the week, with only a slight chance of rain in the forecast. High is going to be 83, low 57. Winds out of the south-southwest at 5 to 10. That's why it's a little warmer conditions as well. Today and Wednesday, pretty much the same. Temperatures in and around the area. Everyone in the 50s right now, except for New Orleans. They're reporting 64 degrees. Elsewhere, it's 53 in Covington, 55 in Homa Thibodeau. Gulfport and Baton Rouge both reporting 56 degree temperatures. So... Get out there, enjoy the weather while you can. Wouldn't hurt to have a little rain shower every now and then, but you might want to still water the lawn if if you want to keep it green. In the meantime, don't go too far because the gospel's coming your way, and we'll be chatting with Michael Olin with Olin Group here in Baton Rouge. Good morning, I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's Gospel is taken from Luke chapter 14. On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees. He said to the host who invited him, When you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or sisters or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors, in case they may invite you back and you have repayment. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Thank you, Father Chris Decker, for the gospel reading today. And uh, we'll have a reflection um, down the road with Jimmy uh, Sagers as the days go on. But in the meantime, we have a special guest with us this morning, Michael Olin with Olin Group One Solutions, here to talk about Catholic Man Night, which is coming up November 8th, which is this Wednesday. It's going to be at White Oak Estate and Gardens. going to be a great time. 200 men are going to be gathering to share their faith, but also fellowship and a lot more. And Michael, good morning and welcome to Wake Up, Sir. Good morning, Damien. How y'all doing this morning? Doing great. So, Michael, you've been a big supporter of Catholic Community Radio over the years, but you've really uh, taken it up a notch by being our primary supporter and sponsor for Catholic Man Night. Uh, tell us a little bit about why why you do that, especially from a you know a, an individual who owns his own business. Why is that important to you? Uh, Damien, yes, it's been a pleasure to actually be a part of this special event in my life. Uh, it's it's kind of come about as, as as a habit at this point. But uh, when you get a bunch of guys gathered, you know, 200, as you said, I think we're sold out at this point, is what you what y'all mentioned, and mm-hmm. being able to have good fellowship for the, all the right reasons and, and, and get that collective gathering, it, it, does, it does good for the soul. But plus, for me, it just helps me, and I think, you know, always giving me hope, I guess, or us hope as as we get together and we see what's going on in current environment and times. It's just great to have the same people there for the same reasons or the same like and kind. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the evening is, is really special because this we uh, this uh, 
event, we have Mike Fulmer, who will be also our guest speaker, and uh, he's a pretty dynamic individual, and I believe you know Michael. Know him well. Great, great guy. I have not heard his presentation, but I've talked to many people that have actually been a part of of, of, the, of the audience and listening to what he has to say, and then Mike's a very successful business guy. He's uh, actually from Poincapie, New Roads, and knew his family real well, knew his dad, and he transitioned. I think he actually, I don't know what he was before, but he's a convert, and uh, mm-hmm. he, he is just an excellent guy and been real active in the, the Catholic Church for these years and actually been a great leader and been really involved in, in a lot of work in, a, in actually a retreat facility up there in Chattanooga, Mississippi. Yeah, he's been very involved with the radio station, Damien. I know he did a lot of work trying to plant the seed to get the radio station up and running. He did. He did. He's one of our primary underwriters for sure. Why would someone be an underwriter, Michael? Uh, There might be a business owner listening out there or some individuals who want to become underwriters for Catholic Community Radio. Share your reasoning behind that. Damien, I think when I look back, and, and especially we in business, we do a lot to generate, I guess, opportunity or marketing or putting your name out there. And, and a lot of times, it, you know, we, we don't really know what we call the ROI rate of return, the rate of investment. Mm-hmm. To me, the rate of return is priceless. It's a heart. It's, you know, it, it's what I'm doing. And I think that we're all called to do is, is to spread the word of God. And what better way to do it than through uh, some type of mass media, which in today's time, it's got to be the social media, radio, or television. And it seems that, you know, this, this thing to me, the radio is my way of giving back and, and, and hopefully helping others through tough times. I've been blessed to to. To, to go through a lot and be where I'm at today. And so, if anything, that's my way of giving back and hopefully making it threefold. It was what they, what's been part of my life. You know, I always call it a win-win-win situation. And uh, share with us a little bit about your company, Olin Group. You are basically a uh, almost a one solution, as you say in your, in your uh, slogan, uh, for employer benefits, insurance, and investment needs, correct? Yeah, Damien, uh, I guess about five years ago, I, I rolled it all under one umbrella. We started out as Olin Financial Group, which is still in life insurance, disability, and in IRAs investments. And then we got into the employee benefit business, which is Mass at Olin, one of the entities, and that was about 25 years ago, and we do employee benefits. We're in the top five of independent agencies in the state. And then about six years ago, I added the third company, Olin Porsche, which is with my partner, Bill Porsche, and we actually do emergency services where we focus in on insuring the uh, firehouses, fire trucks, fire apparatus, and ambulatory industry, which has been a unique and very, very rewarding and, and learning for me, a new curveball in my life. I bet it has, because uh, that's ever-changing, to say the least. And as as far as your faith, how do you incorporate your faith in your work? Yeah, Damien, that's that's an ongoing challenge. You know, every day I get up, and uh, my routine is usually get up, you know, early, do my rosary, 4, 4.30, and try to go to adoration every morning. And then if I can, catch a 8 o'clock mass or something. And then as the day goes, as somehow in business, you know, our minds tend to wander for different thoughts in different ways and sometimes not always on the right track. So as quick as I can catch that going down that track is try to reel it back in and, and go back to prayer or go back to what, what God would want me to think or do. And, and the only way I know how to do that is to keep 
getting closer to him and doing the right things to keep him right there in front of me. And I guess it's staying in prayer as long as you can during the day <laughs> while yeah. you're still trying to <laughs> encounter all this stuff that's coming at you. Yeah, even if it's a little one-sentence prayer or a couple words, right, that, that gets you through. Everybody's got to find out what works for them. Everybody's unique and different, which is the best thing in life. And you just got to find out, get the tools in your, in your toolbox to kind of keep you grounded and always be working towards getting closer to him because stuff's going to happen day in and day out. And you got to be able to get yourself back on track as quick as possible. Well, we're glad you're a part of Catholic Community Radio, not only as an underwriter, but uh, as our main event sponsor for Catholic Man Night. And we thank you, Mike. So uh, have a great day, my friend. Looking forward to it. Thank you guys for all y'all do. God bless everybody. Have a good week. You bet. Michael Olin with Olin Group One Solution. Again, they focus on employer benefits, insurance, as well as investment needs. Give him a holler if you're uh, in the market for his his tools, as he says, in the toolbox. All right, folks, don't go too far because we've got more coming your way here on Wake Up. Lonnie Thibodeau over in Home of Thibodeau will be with us shortly. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for November 6th. Today we celebrate St. Nicholas Tavalich and Companions. Today's saint and his three companions are among the 158 Franciscans to have been martyred in the Holy Land since the friars became custodians of the shrines and holy places in 1335. Nicholas was born in 1340 to a wealthy noble family in Croatia. He joined the Franciscans and was sent to preach in Bosnia. In 1384, he and a fellow friar volunteered to serve in the Holy Land missions. Their duties included looking after the holy places, caring for the Christian pilgrims, and studying Arabic. In 1391, Nicholas and three other friars decided to take a more direct approach to converting the Muslim population. Reading from a prepared statement in Jerusalem's Mosque of Omar, they stated that all people must accept the gospel of Jesus. When the mosque official ordered them to retract the statement, they refused. After beatings and imprisonment, the friars were beheaded before a large crowd. In 1970, Nicholas Tavlich and his companions became the first Franciscans martyred in the Holy Land to be canonized. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 19 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. Thank you so much to all those who are watching us on WLAE TV, Catholic Life TV, our streaming platforms. And of course, if you're listening to us via radio, we're so glad that you are tuning in especially on our app as well. I can't forget our app listeners. We have so many of those as well. Lonnie Thibodeau now joins us. He's the Director of Media and Public Relations of the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau, and today he joins us to give us an update of what is happening in the diocese. Hey, Lonnie, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Well, hello, Gabby. How are you? I am doing great. I'm looking forward to the next issue of the Bayou Catholic Magazine because that is this month. Right. It's it's kind of been a while, and usually the last yeah. several years when I would come on with, with you guys once a month, it was 
ninety percent of that appearance was talking about what was in the in in that current issue of the Bayou Catholic. But we've changed the the distribution of the Bayou Catholic, and now instead of every month, now we're going to about six or seven issues a, a year. But they're not every other month. They're tied to the liturgical season. So therefore, long story short, our last issue came out in August. We had a few month break, and the next issue, which will be the Advent issue, will be coming out the last weekend of this month. So like in three weeks, I guess, um, will be the next issue. And then one month later, we'll have a Christmas issue, and then it'll go on from there. So yeah, it's been a bit of a break, about three months or so, but the next issue is just a few weeks away. Wonderful. Well, we're looking forward to getting our copies in our mailboxes. Of course, you can read them online as well and excited to have this issue being rolled out in a few weeks. But let's talk about what we can find as well and the things happening in the diocese. And one of those is I Give Catholic. Lonnie, I'm already starting to see ministry, school organizations and church parishes really roll out uh, their I Give Catholic promotions. Yeah, it's a, you know, I Give Catholic is a, a tremendous blessing, or it has been certainly for a lot of dioceses around the country, but especially for the diocese of home of Thibodeau. Being a small country diocese, as some like to call us, the fact mm-hmm. that we have had such unbelievable and unparalleled success with this program, to give you an example, one year ago, we, we, we raised the second highest figure in all of Louisiana and the third highest in the country. We raised over $1.7 million in one day last year. We had 2,300 donations from 1,900 different donors to 59 different Catholic organizations and schools and ministries in our diocese, but over $1.7 million in one day. Our little Amazing. diocese, the Diocese of Home of Thibodeau, obviously we're unbelievably proud of, uh, of what we've done in the past and the seventh annual I Give Catholic, at least for our diocese, is again, uh, you know, coming up uh, on November the 28th, Tuesday, November 28th, you know, which is that Tuesday right after, uh, right after Thanksgiving. That's right. And Advanced Giving starts on the 13th and runs through the 27th. Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to be in town due to the holidays on the actual giving day, you can pre-plan your gift and your card won't be charged until the actual giving day. So I know a lot of people like to take advantage of the Advanced Giving opportunities for I Give Catholic. Yeah. So that's amazing figures, Lonnie. Uh, mm-hmm. God surely does provide, especially to the diocese. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Catholic Foundation's St. Joseph Dinner. Yep, that's coming up. I know uh, Amy Ponsaw from our Catholic Foundation was on several weeks ago with you and, and talking about this event. Um, it's celebrating the 10th anniversary of our Catholic Foundation. It's coming up in just a few nights. It's coming up this Thursday night at uh, the Nickel State University Cotillion Ballroom. Um, our guest speaker is Gail Benson, who, of course, everyone knows from New Orleans. And we're, mm-hmm. we're going to be doing a lot of things. But one of the things is we're uh, presenting our annual Good Shepherd Award. And this year we're honoring the Charlotte Bollinger, who is the chairman of, of our board of, of the Catholic Foundation. So a great event coming up uh, this Thursday night. There may even still be a few tickets left. So go ahead and give, our, give us a phone call um, or check with us online for the Catholic Foundation of South Louisiana. And hopefully we'll see you there on, um, on Thursday night. Great. Well, it's also this week is National Vocations Awareness Week. And tell us how uh, the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau is celebrating this week. Right. And Gabby, you know, our seminarians, the future of our church is obviously the seminarians. And right now in the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau, we have five. Now, we had an interesting situation. We ordained three 
last year. Three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and remember, how, and how many do we have left? Five. So that'll tell you we, we, had, a, we had a tremendous uh, blessing last year of having three of our men who are now uh, a good Catholic priest. And so we have five uh, formally in the hopper, if you will, Ryan Thibodeau, Scott Beslin, Chad Jeremy, Ethan Henry, and James Silk. So those five gentlemen are, are currently at some stage. You know, there are different stages now, the, pro, the propedeutic year, the configuration stage, the di- discipleship stage. So all of these five gentlemen are in different places, but we're a couple years away at least from our next ordination, as it turns out. And obviously these are the five that are formally uh, in, in, in formation now, but of course we always have a few more who are, who are discerning, uh, the priesthood. So what a great week. This is the week, as you said, this is Catholic, um, you know, the vocations awareness week. And so we ask everyone listening right now to, to pray for vocations in, in our Catholic church because that, that and they are our future. And we especially pray for those five, uh, young men who I just mentioned their name there just a moment ago. Yeah, great. Well, we will be covering National Vocations Week through various interviews this week, so uh, stay tuned for those. You have some upcoming special masses happening in the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, sure. We've got, you know, especially towards the end of the year, we uh, Bishop, as if Bishop Mario Dorsonville isn't busy the rest of the time, boy, he gets really busy in November mm-hmm. and December with, if nothing else, all of these special liturgical celebrations that we have. And coming up um, uh, this coming uh, weekend on, on Saturday is the uh, American Indian Mass of Thanksgiving, which we annually do every year. Mm-hmm. It's at St. Charles Borromeo in Pontichan, down, down the bayou, as we say. And then we come back back on um, Saturday, uh, November 25th, with a vigil for priestly and religious vocations, which we were just talking about, a special new Mass that Bishop will be celebrating coming up on Saturday, November 25th, and then the very next day, the very next day, Saturday, uh, excuse me, Sunday, November 26th, he's going to do, essentially it's called a stewardship Mass, or a Mass of Gratitude and Appreciation for all of those donors talked about I give Catholic before, all yeah. those people in the diocese who have helped us in one way or another, financially or otherwise, and that Mass will be at 9.30 a.m. at St. Joseph Co-Cathedral in Thibodeau. So that's that Sunday right after, or coming out of the, um, you know, that Thanksgiving week or weekend. So that's uh, that's several. I mean, we, we've got even more Masses than that, <laughs> but we've got a whole lot coming up. In fact, Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Let me mention one more. Yeah. That one's coming up, of course, on that day, which is December the 12th. And Bishop Dorsonville is, is really emphasizing that particular celebration. That'll be at St. Francis Cathedral in Homa at 7 p.m. on uh, December the 12th, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Great. And reflecting back, you know, we're about to end mm-hmm. another church year and then begin another, a new one uh, in just a few weeks. How has it been for Bishop Mario Dorsonville in the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau? Really, really great. You know, and it's, you know, we had that situation where uh, we lost you know, Bishop, um, Bishop Fobb, who is now Archbishop Fobb in, in, in the Archdiocese of, of, of Louisville. And we went almost exactly one full year uh, waiting to find out, patiently waiting and discerning, and who's our next bishop? And it's Bishop <laughs> Mario Dorsonville, who, if people forget, he was the auxiliary bishop in Washington, D.C., and it has been wonderful. He is a wonderful, wonderful man. He has a huge heart, and he's 
funny and he's lively and, and he likes mixing it up. And if you ever met him at a social event or after a liturgy or whatever, I mean, he's just a wonderful human being. So we have been unbelievably blessed to, to have had that gentleman named by our Holy Father to be the next bishop of the diocese of Homotopia. So it's been wonderful. He's gotten his feet wet, I think, very successfully. He's gotten to meet everyone that he could possibly meet and make his way to our 39 church parishes and our 10 Catholic schools. And I, in my opinion, and I think everyone's opinion, who who, who has dealt with him, worked with him, worked for him, I think it's been a wonderful first year for, for, for Bishop Dorsonville. Wow. Amazing. It's so great because every time I see a picture of him, he always has a huge smile on his face. He looks like he's just loving the Diocese of Homo Thibodeau, and I, I couldn't agree more, Lonnie, with uh, your commentary. It's so great to hear that he had a wonderful year and looking forward to the future with him as well. Tell our listeners where they can go to pick up a copy of the Bayou Catholic or read stories online. Sure, sure. They can go to htdiocese.org, and then on that homepage, you can click on the Bayou Catholic box, or maybe more directly, you can just go to bayoucatholic.org and click there for current issue. Again, the current issue is technically the August issue from a few months back, but like I said, within about three weeks, we'll be having uh, the first brand new issue in a few months, and that'll be the Advent issue uh, coming up, on the, and it'll be in our churches the final weekend of uh, of the month, that weekend, you know, right after we celebrate Thanksgiving. Great. Lonnie Thibodeau, Director of Media and Public Relations of the Diocese of Homo Thibodeau. Thank you so much, Lonnie, for being with us today. All right. Thank you, Gabby. Appreciate it. All right. And actually, the next time we speak to Lonnie will be an Advent. So looking forward to hearing about their Advent celebrations, New Year celebrations, and, and how it's going over there as well. They have a lot to celebrate. Real quick, Damien, there are so many things happening in our dioceses, uh, in our listening area. And if our, any of our listeners have events that they want to help promote, they can send it to us absolutely free uh, through our website at ccmedia.live. Click on Events and News and click Submit Your Event. If you have an Advent morning of reflection, a Christmas shop, a bake sale, a festival, anything you want to promote, it's absolutely free. And you can send me as many events as you possibly want. Uh, it's a great way to help promote your organization. Stay with us. Alan Migliorato joins us when we return from the break. It is half past the hour on Wake Up. After the hour, happy Monday, everyone. Thanks for joining us. With us now is our regular friend on Monday morning, Alan Migliorato. He is co-author of Failing Forward, Leadership Lessons for Catholic Teens Today. Our topic, trust. Yeah, trusting your teens as well as your teens trusting you. And that's not always easy to do. Good morning, Alan. Hey, good morning, guys. Happy to be here. All right, my brother. Well, let's jump right into it. Uh, you know, uh, trust is a big word, but at the same time, it's one of the hardest things to, uh, I guess, uh, obtain uh, among relationships until you get to know someone pretty well. Hopefully, mom and dad do a good job of that, raising their little one by the time they're a teens, that trust is, is in the forefront and have laid the foundation. Yeah, doesn't that stink that we just can't trust everybody right off the bat? I mean, it really is. I it's, know. One of my, it's one of my biggest pet peeves. I really, if somebody breaks trust with me, 
anybody. Like, I have a really hard time. I Like, I forgive, obviously, right away, and if they mm-hmm. say they're sorry, and even if they don't, like, okay, everybody makes mistakes, but, like, it's really an intentional, when someone breaks trust, it's so hard to build that back. It doesn't mean it can't happen. And so even without breaking trust, how do we, how do we build trust with our teens? How do we start to let go and, and say, okay, everything that I taught my child is now going to be in their hands, especially, like, they're going off to college. So everything that I taught you, I'm expecting you to put in, into action, into play. Like, hit, you know, hit play on all the lessons that you learned and take these to college with you so that I don't have to, you know, uh, have a helicopter or a drone above your, uh, your dorm 24-7 and, <laughs> and be checking on you. And so how do you do that? So that's a, I think it's a great topic, Damien, and I'm glad that we're talking about this. The first thing that I, I want to say to parents is if you want your kids to trust or if you want to trust your kids, they have to trust you, right? So you've got to show that you're trustworthy, and you have to recognize when you make a mistake as a parent. So be honest, be open, be honest, be humble, and be vulnerable. And it's so easy to put that into a sentence, but those are one of the hardest things for parents to do is to say, hey, I screwed up, you know, I told you we were going to go here if you got an A on your report card, and, and we just can't afford to go, and I'm sorry, and I didn't mean to you know, to deceive you, I, I thought we could do it, but I can't, or whatever it is that you, you, you do to break trust with your kids, own up to it. And mm-hmm. when you start owning up to things, your kids will start owning up to things. And it really, it, it's a great way to, to show them, look, I'm not perfect either, but I'm trying. And my intent is to never deceive you and never to lie to you. And that builds a really strong relationship. You know, like when they say you, you break a bone and it grows back together, it's stronger. So that can happen with trust, too. When you, if you break somebody's trust, you can, you can grow back together and be stronger. It's just got to be really honest and really vulnerable throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And so I always say, like, ask, you know, ask open-ended questions. Give your kids a chance to show that they can, that you can trust them. They, they come home late one night and you say your, you know, your curfew was 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock on the weekends and you didn't come home till almost 12, didn't call me, didn't let me know what was going on. I was worried about you. So now you're not going out. And then the next time you do let them go out and you do allow a little bit more freedom, give them that opportunity to show you, but remind them, say, listen, I'm, I'm trying to be vulnerable with you. I'm trying to show you that I trust you. Please don't break that trust because it's going to be harder and harder to rebuild it. I'm being vulnerable. I need you to be vulnerable and, and communicate with me. Yeah. And you and eventually you have to give them that independence so they can prove to you that the trust factor is in play. Yeah. And, you know, it starts when they're young, too. You know, it starts, exactly. You can't wait till they're teenagers to start trying to build trust. Like, you've got to try to build trust little by little. And that can start with even little things like, Hey, you know, did you say your prayers tonight? And then hopefully you don't have to keep asking them, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a great reminder. Hey, you know, I'm going to be praying. So hopefully you'll be praying with me, you know, and that's great as they get older. But um, as, as they're little, it's like, Hey, you know, uh, do you want to lead prayer tonight? Do you want to lead? You, why don't you lead the family prayer at dinner and show them, look, I trust you. Even if you don't get the words right, we're speaking to our Lord and you can't say anything wrong. So like, just be honest and open with him, just like you're honest and open with me and we'll be good. Okay. And that really kind of sets the bar. It does. So let's say the trust is broken. What do you recommend right. for, for a, a teen, for example, to, to rebuild that trust? So for parents, right, I say that you have to ask open-ended questions. 
So when you give them an opportunity, teens, I would say for a teenager, be as open and honest and vulnerable as possible. You already got caught. You <laughs> might as well own up to it now. And just be honest, because mm-hmm. I always used to tell my kids when they were little, I said, listen, I'm going to ask you some questions that I know the answer to, so hopefully you're not lying to me. Yeah, right? And yeah. that gives them that opportunity mm-hmm. to really tell you, look, here, I, you're right, Dad, this is what I did, or actually you got that wrong, and okay, explain to me why I, don't, why I, I believe this, and you're telling me something different, because here's, here's what I have to support why I, I think this. You know, and if they're like, yeah, well, you know, that's not true. Somebody told you something. Well, let's check it out. Let's all go together. My daughter lied to me one time about uh, something that happened at school, and I went to school. This is a learning lesson for me because I went to school believing her 1,000%, and I was upset with the teacher and didn't give the teacher an opportunity. This is, you know, 20-something years ago, but, but still I was, I was not happy. And the teacher is like, well, I understand you're, you're frustrated, Mr. McLeod, but let me show you what she was doing. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I go, I'm sorry. I'll be right back. I went home and got my daughter and brought her back up to the school and said, show, show my daughter what you showed me. And so when she broke that trust with me, I took her door off of her room. I said, because, look, if I can't trust you when I can't see you, then I always need to see you. Yeah. And that door was off of her room probably for a month. And it's like, I mean, obviously she probably lied to me at some other point, but I know that that was a hard thing for her to see me struggle with that. Um, and can, you know, kids lie some from yeah. time to time. And, I, and we're and, human. And, hey, she wanted that privacy back, so you know the trust was going to redevelop, hopefully. And uh, that that's the other thing. You have to also allow time when it comes to rebuilding trust. Don't You, you can't fix it in, a, in an instant. No, and this is, you know, one of those topics where we could talk about for months. Mm-hmm. It's, it's those things that we need to kind of – Plant the seed. Look, you broke my trust. I'm giving you opportunities, but I'm hurt right now. I forgive you. I love you. But I'm hurt that you did that to me because I don't do that to you. So how do you think you can fix this? And ask that open-ended question, like, how do you think you can rebuild trust with me? And let them offer some ideas. You know, they're like, I don't know. Well, if you did know, what would the answer be? Because you knew how to break it, so how do you put it back together? And those are great. And then be quiet because those are great questions to ask and to watch them process through. They're like, I never thought about that. If I break something, how am I going to put it back together? Because obviously our relationship's important and you want to have it back together. You don't want to have a broken relationship with your parent. So how can you put it back together now? And then let them come up with the open-ended, you know, question that you ask. Let them come up with some of the answers. Yeah. Any quick tips for a parent? to uh let's say they do have a young child eight years old to 12 years old not quite a teen yet uh and they're assuming trust has been built but maybe they need some pointers or some uh, tips or reminders as to what they need to do to make sure trust is going to be a strong foundation in their relationship with their child yeah, what a great plug for the book, right? Failing forward, because this is what we talk about all the time, is giving them opportunities, cha-ching, giving them opportunities to really, you know, to, to be leaders and, and to fail and to talk about that failure, because the one thing teens don't like to do is to admit to being wrong, and parents, we don't like to do it either. So if, the, if we can let failure be part of our, our vocabulary and learn from that failure, then, then, then there's no reason for them to lie to begin with. If they can know that they can fail and come to you with it, they will. And so that's my, that's my tip for parents is, you know, get the book, read through it. And I never really push, the, push my failing forward on here, but I think that's a perfect no. opportunity to talk about a way to, you know, to offer tips for parents. 
And what's the uh, website so everyone could go? It's a real easy one to remember. Yeah, adventurecatholic.com. We're also on Instagram, adventurecatholicfl, and on, on Facebook at adventurecatholic. Very good. Okay, Alan. And um, down the road, I'd like for us to talk about trusting God as another uh, topic yeah. uh, with our teens as well. But I wanted to make sure we, we got this across the, uh, this morning. So thank you for being with us, and we'll save that for another day. All right, brother. God bless you guys. Have a great day. All right. God bless you. You know, it's taken uh, two years for Gabby and I to trust each other. So uh, I think we're finally to that point, huh, Gabby? I think so. I think so. It's getting better. You (laughs) trust me? I I hope I haven't lied to you too many times. Okay. Uh, I'm teasing with you. (laughs) All right, folks. It's a quarter after, a quarter before the top of the hour, and Kristen Van Uden is coming up next here on Wake Up. It is 48 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damian Collado, and our next guest is Kristen Van Uden. Kristen is an author spokesperson for Sophia Institute Press, and today she joins us to talk about the book, When the Sickle Swings, Stories of Catholics Who Survive Communist Oppression. Good morning, Kristen. Thank you for being with us today. Good morning, Gabby. Thanks for having me. I know I'm usually on here to talk about someone else's book, but this time it is my actual book that I wrote myself. So very excited oh to talk about gosh. this one. Oh my gosh. Congratulations, <laughs> Kristen. It's so great. Thank you. Oh my, okay, well, tell us a little bit about what we can find in your book. First of all, the title is another question I have. It's quite a powerful one and definitely the reason why I picked it up. Yes. So the title comes from Joel 3.13 in scripture, where it says, swing the sickle for the harvest is ripe. And this is such powerful imagery because really the touch point of my book, um, just a little background, the book is stories of Catholics who survived communist oppression. So I collected interviews of eyewitness accounts of people who suffered persecution in various ways all throughout the world for their faith under communist regimes. And when you think of this iconography of communism, the hammer and the sickle, that is just the ubiquitous, you know, you you see it on the flag all throughout the communist world, and it, you know, evokes imagery of power and suffering. But when you think about it, they actually co-opted these symbols, and the sickle appears often in scripture, as in that verse and other places, And it always refers to this moment of judgment where we're separating, God is separating the wheat from the chaff and is cutting down the vine um, where the faith grows like a mustard seed after it has been cut down, speaking to the blood of martyrs being the seed of the church. So I thought that was very ironic because even under communism in our modern age, just in the past hundred years or so, there have been real martyrs who gave their life and shed their blood for the Church, but also almost every Catholic who lived under communism suffered some sort of white martyrdom, where they were either unable to get a job, not afforded education opportunities, or sort of shut out of society in all of these various ways, simply for living the faith. Uh, The hammer is also interesting because In the Soviet iconography, the sickle represents the agrarian proletariat, so the farmers, and then the hammer represents the industrial proletariat, the factory workers. But the hammer is also, of course, a universal symbol of justice. And 
when the sickle swings and at the moment of death, of course, as Catholics, we know that the first thing that happens to our soul is that we face our particular judgment in front of the throne of God. So I thought that that imagery was just too powerful to uh, not talk about. And so I decided to mm-hmm. put it on the front of the book. <laughs> well, what was your um, inspiration behind writing such a powerful yet, I think, uh, relevant book? Yeah, so I really started this project back in college. I've always been interested in totalitarianism, Mm. and when I dig deeper on why that is, you know, I grew up reading stories of the Holocaust, for example, and the resilience of survivors Mm. of various disasters. And I think the core of what I'm interested in is that seed of martyrdom, because as we know, um, as I mentioned before, either white martyrdom or red martyrdom is kind of inevitable for Catholics. We do have to suffer in this life because Jesus himself suffered, so we will too for following him. And I was just shocked to learn of all of these persecutions that had happened within, you know, the lifetime of these people who are still alive. So I began collecting oral histories about seven years ago, and really um, once the book got started was the past two years where I did the majority of these interviews, and I've always been inspired by personal stories. I think that I can read hundreds of books about a time period that rely on statistics and primary source documents and other less personal sort of sources, but personal stories are what sticks with me. And so I really wanted to give a voice to these people who had not been able to tell their stories before and really the powerful memories that they have and how that's shaped their faith life and their experiences and their hope that they have for the future is um, something I really wanted to memorialize. So that's where the idea came from. Um, I focus on mainly a few countries that it's basically just due to the availability of interviews. So I focus mainly on Czechoslovakia and Cuba, and then a few stories also from Hungary and Romania. Wow. Amazing. Well, Kristen, also talk about the role of Our Lady in communism. You really touch on this in your book. Yes, this was something that I suppose not surprisingly, but um, came up time again, regardless of which country I was talking about and which people I was interviewing is they all have the special devotion to Our Lady. So in the Cuban context, this comes up with the Virgen del Cobre, I actually got to visit the shrine in Miami that is sort of the cultural center of the Cuban diaspora down there. And um, the story of that original image is pretty interesting. So there were three sailors who were shipwrecked at sea and they were, you know, lost, considered dead. They saw coming over the horizon on the water, uh, like just this, something that looked like a box and it got closer and it was actually a painting of Our Lady. And they credit mm. Our Lady with saving their lives. And so that has become sort of the one of the national oh themes of Cuba. And so that happened before communism, but she has also been this icon for those who are especially trying to escape Cuba because they go through this very similar escape where they're on the water often and mm-hmm. um, headed for Florida. And so that was very powerful imagery. Another one was the role of Our Lady in Czechoslovakia. So communism collapsed there um, <clears throat> at the end of the 1980s, and I actually was really privileged to interview one of the Slovak politicians who was heavily involved with those demonstrations that ultimately brought communism down. 
And he talks about how these prayerful, peaceful protests, similarly to what happened in Poland, were really what they began as, as were rosary rallies. And actually mm. one of them was a Marian pilgrimage to the Slovak town of Nitra. And that sort of turned into this overall um, advocating for freedom and rights as a whole. But it always had at the core of this all of these Marian prayers. Wow, amazing. You can read so many other different and interesting uh, tidbits and information in Kristen's book, Kristen Van Uden, author spokesperson for Sophia Institute Press and author of the book, When the Sickle Swings, Stories of Catholics Who Survive Communist Oppression. You can go to sophiainstitute.com. I link to the book in the comment section for today's Facebook Live video. Kristen, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks so much. God bless. You too. Wow, interesting topic and uh, yes. interesting interviews that she gathered. And, and you're not kidding. She's been in mm. front of a lot of impressive people, to say the least, mm -hmm. you know, with some great stories. Good book. All right. Yeah. Well, this is Vocations Week, as Gabby mentioned a little while ago. And because of that, we're going to say a vocational prayer each and every day to wrap up our show. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. God, our Father, we thank you for calling men and women to serve in your Son's kingdom as priests, deacons, and consecrated persons. Send your Holy Spirit to help others to respond generously and courageously to your call. May our community of faith support vocations of sacrificial love in our youth as well as young adults. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. We have a wonderful lineup for you tomorrow. Chad Olivier with the Olivier Group. We'll talk about Catholic Man Night. Father Bart Tullison will talk about his memoir, That Was Father Stew. Michael Acaldo with St. Vincent de Paul will talk about ways we can help those in need this holiday season. And Karen Yulo will talk about uh, the Chrism Press and the book Brother Wolf. Have a wonderful Monday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.